You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Olympiacos fans around the world, welcome to another episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast. We've got a special one for you today. Tomorrow, the Europa League group stages commence, and we have a special guest with us today joining us to preview tomorrow's game against Royal Antwerp, aside from Belgium. We are the first, uh, the first tier team going into this group. Antwerp is coming from the fourth pot. It's looking like a must-win game very early on into this uh, this campaign. And so, yeah, we're going to get through some news items before we begin. But before we do that, if you are joining us for the first time and you haven't done so already, please leave us a like, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future content. So... We're going to get into some news, and the first thing that we would like to talk about, or the first thing we'd like to say, is um, there was some very sad news in the Olympiacos community today. The wife of Stavros Georgakopoulos, um, Stavros Georgakopoulos, is currently a journalist with Sport Twenty Four Media Group. He covers Olympiacos. He's been covering Olympiacos for most of his. Uh, most of his professional career as a journalist was formerly editor at newspaper Protathletis. His wife, unfortunately, uh, lost the battle uh, against uh, leukemia. She was suffering from leukemia for the last four to five years, from what we've uh, understood and, and read and heard today. From our side, uh, we would like to extend our condolences and our thoughts and prayers with with Stavros's family, um, they have three small children, uh, three three kids as well. So um, we just felt that we needed to say something about that to recognize the, um, the, the grief that Stavros and his family are going through right now. The main reason for this podcast, as I said at the beginning, was the match preview for Antwerp. Before we get into that, there is a transfer deadline looming for free transfers. It ends on Friday this week, and there are some very exciting news uh, on this front. Labro is going to tell you all about it. Labro, what we got? Yeah, everyone. So there's two names we're looking at. Um, one name we all know is Dimitri Silva's former defender of Olympiacos, has been playing in Spain for the past four to five years. He was released from his team Huesca after they were relegated and confined a seller and he's currently a free agent in Athens these days and word came out today that Siovas will be signing for a Greek team he has decided for family reasons he wants to stay in the country so he's not going back to Spain he'll be playing for a Greek team however this does not mean that he will be signing for Olympiacos 
Uh, there's rumors that his agent has proposed him to almost every single Greek team, the Big Five, Aris, Ike, Olympiakos, Panathinaikos. Not sure if Pauk. Don't know if I read that one. But um, so the story is going that Olympiakos as a club has gave the green light. They want to sign Siovas. However, Pedro Martins is yet to make a decision and he doesn't seem very warm on it. He is more to the favor of bringing back Ruben Semedo after his legal troubles of him being, I guess, exonerated almost from the legal problems. But anyway, that's the update number one. And update number two is that of Gary Rodriguez, a name you all know well. Um, Gary Rodriguez, of course, former winger of Pauk, Fenerbahce, and Galatasaray, former teammate of one Henry Onyakuru as well, is in the papers, was a player who we desperately wanted last summer, but his wage demands from the Saudi Arabian team he was at were too much. And he's now a free agent. Reportedly, he's back in Athens and he's negotiating with Olympiacos. There was a report that he was offered also to Panathinaikos, and they said no. However, I just don't think they have the money to pay someone like Gary Rodriguez. Um, it would not make sense if Olympiacos doesn't sign Gary Rodriguez. I would say that. I don't know if you would agree with that, Costa. Like a player you wanted so much just a year ago is now a free agent. If the wages fall into place, I think we see Gary Rodriguez playing for Olympiacos this season. We'll see. Um, of course, he won't be able to play in Europe, but wing depth is always welcome at this football club. So we'll see. Yeah, especially if Martins wants to play 4-4-2 this season, I think there's it's making a lot more sense. And as we're seeing going into tomorrow's game, uh, we're looking a little bit thin at, uh, at the wing position somehow with Masuras out injured. We have to play at this moment in time 37-year-old, nearly 37-year-old Matteo Balbuena on the wing. So I think that Gary Rodriguez transfer goes through on Friday. There's apparently a couple of hundred thousand uh, difference at the moment in negotiation terms. On the Siobas thing, that's much more complicated, as you said. Uh, in the old days, I think we would have completed that deal already. We have generally had a tendency in the past to sign players that have been rumoured for rivals and I can't see Olympiacos allowing Dimitri Siovas a slither of possibility to sign for another of our, another one of our rivals. Um, it's going to go down to the wire. We've said it before, a couple of days left after the Antwerp game, we'll know for sure, if not by the end of the night, as some reports were suggesting in Greece today. So, with that, we're going to bring our guest on. His name's Scott, and Scott is part of the Belgian football podcast. Scott, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Evening, guys. Pleasure to be here. You want to tell us a little bit about Belgian football podcast, Scott? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm part of the three-man team behind the Belgian football podcast. We've got a, a weekly show which covers all the news across uh, Belgian football. Um, and we also like to drop special episodes fairly often on everybody, uh, which uh, dive a little bit deeper into Belgian football culture and sometimes into a specific club. Um, for example, last week we dropped a, a really nice one where we were joined by the technical director at Circle Bruges, Carlos Avinia. Um, so we are we are the number one place to get all of your uh, English language coverage of Belgian football. And you can follow them here. 
It says yeah. at Belgian Podcast on Twitter. You can follow them, Belgian Football Podcast. Everything you need to know about Belgian football. Okay. So, Scott, tell us about Antwerp. Where should we start? Well, this is quite an interesting one. I, I think it's probably a good idea to give you guys some broader context first. Um, Antwerp spent a lot of money this summer, um, almost 22 million euros. Um, so they've they've been tooling up. Um, now, this is actually money that, you know, ordinarily they wouldn't be able to spend. Uh, Antwerp are owned by somebody called Paul Gaysons, who is a, a property tycoon in, in Belgium. And for a number of years now, he's been investing very heavily in the club. Um, there have been big stadium uh, developments at the Bossel Stadium in Antwerp and other infrastructure developments as well. But that, that 22 million euros is uh, purely investment in the, the playing side over the summer. And they've brought in around uh, 19 new players. Uh, they also have a new coach, uh, Brian Prisk, who many people will know from his time at Meachland, won the title there, of course. Almost won back-to-back titles, losing it uh, on, I think, the last day of the season, last season, um, and then getting his, his big move to, to Antwerp. So it's, it's quite exciting times for, for Antwerp. Um, a lot going on there. Um, they're expecting to push very hard for the title this year, not surprisingly with an investment like that. Um, and I think there's also an expectation that they will do reasonably well in Europe and, and the minimum should be aiming to get out of the group, certainly anyway, at this stage. Um, so it's exciting times um, for, for Antwerp and um, it's going to be quite a ride for their for their fans, I think, over the next few years because they they, they came back up to the, the top flight in Belgium not too long ago, actually, just a few years ago, and the expectation was they were slowly building over four or five years to maybe a title challenge because they are a, a historic and a big club from Belgium, as, as many people will know. Um, but the investment has been such that it, you know they're they're hitting fast forward, shall we say? <laughs> that's incredible. I had no idea that they spent twenty two million euro this summer. I think that's well, that's way more than we spent. I think in the last couple of summers put together, that's a yeah. lot of money. I'm surprised. Also, um, I I don't know. This is just a storyline of how they signed Raja Nangolan from from inter or was he released on a free i know he had like a love relationship with calgary because he I, I don't know he had a relationship with there does he have a relationship with antwerp i one of my italian friends was telling me his wife wanted to go back there what, what's the reason for the the return for nangolan well there's quite an interesting story behind that actually because he's a good example of the sort of signing that antwerp would not be able to make but for their owner and chairman paul gaysons who i mentioned um nangalan left inter he basically agreed with them to tear up his contract it was a, a mutual decision um but the wages were a big issue for for antwerp there was a lot of clubs interested club bruges were keen um, they, they've got plenty of money because of obviously uh, repeated Champions League involvement um, and Paul Gaysons kind of intervened quite late on actually and basically agreed to write a blank cheque to cover those wages um, yeah the family were quite keen to come back, the interesting thing here is actually uh, he was a club ambassador for Antwerp's rivals uh, Beer Shop um, so this raised a few eyebrows um, and as as of now, he is still officially a, a, a beer shop ambassador, 
but um, a key player in, in in the Antwerp squad. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how that develops. But I, I think he's been signed with a view to kind of helping them kick on big time. You know, he's a big character. Um, you know, he's, he's seen as a winner. And I think Paul Gason's really got very excited by the opportunity, I think, to to have a player like that in, in their side. Um, really interesting signing. Um, and it's, it's only happened because Paul's got his blank check out. And he's been doing that routine a lot recently, actually, and surprising us. Um, so, you know, if I was him, I, w- I would be expecting some payback on that as well. So we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. The uh, the chat is starting to get busy here, and this is perhaps unrelated, but there's a comment from <laughs> Stratos Capones. So, yeah, apparently, Scott, you speak like a former football commentator. I think he's talking about Andy Gray. Is it Andy Gray? <laughs> I'm from the same country as Andy, so that, that just, makes sense. <laughs> just, because he's Scottish, just because he's Scottish. Okay, all right. Anyway, I'm sorry about that slight side story. Um, so the thing I heard about Antwerp was the overall impression is they're a very attacking side. They um, they like to to get forwards. They they play with two number eights in the midfield and one holding midfielder. The two number eights, they like to get into the box. They like to overload the box. They're good on the offensive transition, but their defence is very, very shaky. What is is that a fair assessment in terms of what we've heard so far? Like as a team, like what what are we talking about here? What kind of style of football are we talking about? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I mean, Brian Prisk is obviously he's not been there very long. Um, six games into the new season, and they've had a bit of a mixed start domestically. You know, played six, uh, one two, drawn two, and lost two, scoring uh, eleven and conceding nine. So. The overall balance there, I think, is not quite right yet. Uh, defensively, that's probably the weakest part of the team. I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think he has an expectation. When I say he, I mean Brian Prisk. He wants to play kind of a, a very high tempo, um, attacking type of football. So he's expecting everybody to to do their fair share of work. Um, and, and find a balance. Um, the ideal balance hasn't been quite found yet, and that's partly to do with so many new players coming in. I mean, there's a lot of players starting games now who who only came in this summer. So it, it is, um, to all intents and purposes, a completely new squad, really. It really is, and it's very early days for this squad. So, um, And they haven't started to click yet. That's what I would say. I mean, th- this weekend, they, they got three points against Open. Um, but they didn't play well, didn't play well at all and, and still managed to get the win, which I suppose is a good sign. But, um, I, you know, this is this is going to be a really interesting game for them, I think, because it's going to be several step ups um, from from the teams they've been playing kind of domestically recently. So this is going to really tell us a lot about where this side is at the moment um, and also their potential, I think. So I, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. It's interesting because we do have some data from Adi. He was able to send it. And he said that Antwerp had the highest opposition XG in the whole league. And so one of the questions that comes to mind is, is there a, which is almost two as well, which is an extremely high expected goal percentage I get or number to have. I know that I'm not the stats guy. Adi is not here today, but what, 
what is what is the reason behind that? Is it poor central defenders, poor wingbacks, a strong goalkeeper? Is he saving them in certain points? What what's the situation there? I think I think there's a lot of firepower on this side. I mean, the thing that interests me about Antwerp is for a side who are so good offensively, um, they like to play with one up front most of the time, which is not unusual, of course. There's nothing unusual in that, but um, it goes back to the balance thing that I was just referencing as well. You know, it requires players like, you know, the the left-back Yellow Batai, right-back Aurelio Buta, uh, Victor Fisher, a player lots of people will know who knew came in this summer. Um, very exciting young Japanese player, uh, Koji Mayoshi as well, who can play in a number of different positions. It relies on those players who are key players just getting the right balance between the offensive side of the game and the defensive side. And sometimes they don't. Um, so it's just about kind of fine tuning that for them, really. I mean, Prisk likes to, he prefers a kind of 4 2 3 1, and there's a certain amount of rotation with that as well. So, although the formation will be the same, he changes the personnel up a little bit. Um, sometimes he'll go with a 4 4 2. So, it'll be very interesting to see, I think, what he does uh, tomorrow evening, um, because in, in Europe, they've been. Um, good offensively but you know they, they they've they've almost shot themselves in the foot i mean actually they, they needed penalties to to get past ammonia nicosia from cyprus um in the playoff round which was a bit of a surprise and um, they had a bit of a nightmare uh in cyprus uh, and were lucky to get away um you know with with the damage that they did and had to turn the tie around, which they did, but then it needed to go to extra time and penalties to, to, to kind of finish the job. So it's it's all about balance. But they will they will create plenty of opportunities because there's plenty of firepower there. It's it's just whether the defensive side of the game, you know, can kind of uh, be balanced for them. I mean Belgian football is is very physical by by nature. Um so um you know, c coming into a level of competition in the Europa League where there's going to be more physical competition is going to be really interesting to see whether they can ramp that up a little bit. Um, so I'm quite excited to see how they kind of cope with this because this is this is a this is a very competitive group. I think our reaction when we yeah. saw, oh, this is this is really going to be quite tasty. There isn't a great deal between the sides. Any of the sides could win this group. I think so. It's really going to be about who can turn up. Over the over the games and 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 turn it on. I mean, for me, Fenerbahce are probably favourites to to win the group, and I say that based on how they're doing domestically at the moment. They're they're flying. So if they come into this with anything like the form they have domestically, they should do very well. Um, Olympiacos, you know, I, I would expect to qualify from this group if I'm honest, just because I, you know that Champions League disappointment. Um, is a hugely motivating factor, I think. So I can understand there being a hard push and an expectation to do well. Um, and Antwerp, in truth, we're not quite sure what we're going to get yet, you know. I think um, we just need to wait and see. Um, I think this opening game is very, very important to them because they see it as a winnable game, but that's not to say it's going to be easy. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I think both teams are kind of looking at this in a very similar way, actually. Yeah. No, for sure. It's. I think both teams have to think this is a must-win game for both. I, Olympiacos is not in a good position right now with the league only just starting this weekend. There has been a long break, of course, with the international break, new pieces coming in, and there's just not been a gelling of the team so far. I think everyone has seen that, a draw at the weekend against Atheromythos. It's There's high worries about this game, and if this game doesn't go well, 
the situation at the club, I think a lot of conversations, negative conversations, conversations we haven't had in a long time about a coach's position, about players' positions at the club will be happening. So I think it's a huge game. I, I agree with the sentiment completely. And I don't know what, what you think, Costa. I, 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 in Pedro Martin's press conference, he said very clearly, this is going to be a game won by the tactical component of our team we're going to be have to be very resilient essentially he was saying if i remember the quotes correctly and he he basically kind of said we may allow antwerp to have the ball but um we're going to play a bit more defensive did did you get that notion from his comments because i know you listened i just read the them through i I picked up the part where he talked about tactics being important to this game um that Antwerp have a very young side. I think the average age in the young in the Antwerp team is 25, if I'm not mistaken. So uh I think Scott raised a lot of really, really good points. Um in particular about the, the mood in the Olympiacos camp and Olympiacos really should be motivated, as you said, Scott, going into this. Uh our president. Vagelis Marinakis had to go to a training session after we got knocked out of the Champions League and kind of knock the players' heads together and say, all right, look, I'm going to put the money down to cover the damage done financially. You guys need to get your act together. Otherwise, they're going to be problems. So that was some weeks ago now, maybe a month. I hope that message is not lost on the players going into tomorrow because... If they don't win tomorrow, it's not going to be a nice atmosphere. Uh, and this it's been a very strange start to the season with the qualifiers. We've only just had one league game, as Labro said. So it really is uh, a must win. And if we do win, it, it, it gives positive momentum and it can allow the coach to go away and do the things that he wants to do. Saying that, Labro, I do think that Martins is going to go for 4-3-3 tomorrow with a holding midfielder and uh, Camara playing a bit more further forward. Bukhalag is playing that 6-8 role. And if you you listen to what Scott's been telling us about the formation and the manager liking a 4-2-3-1 attacking formation, it sounds it does sound like it could be one of those games where we do soak up a bit of pressure and try and exploit their weaknesses on the defensive transition and try and exploit the holes that they've they've been showing in defence. We see it in the XG. So I think it could be one of those games, though I would like to see Olympiacos go and take the game to Antwerp. Maybe we're not really ready to do that yet. So early on in the season with the team not having gelled yet. So... Yeah, I, I've I, I predicted I've predicted lots of goals tomorrow, but we'll get I, to match prediction at the end. Do you want to hear something? Maybe this is, and it's not just because they spoke both speak Dutch. It feels a lot PSV first leg last season. I don't know if that comparison makes sense. They're both. I feel like Antwerp is a bit of an attacking side and a bit more open, and Olympiacos is kind of in that first leg. Like, okay, what are we gonna do? I. I I could see, I remember Costa saying before that game, I could see a hell lot of goals before that. And he's never said that again. He's saying that again. Did I say night. that? But yeah, so yeah. You, you've never said that again. There's something yeah. about this fixture that just tells me there's going to be lots of goals tomorrow and yeah. ends up the return leg, by the way. Um, I, I, two questions, Scott, for you. Frey, 
is he the danger man? And second question is related to the defense. Bjorn Engels is injured. Is his re- is his replacement even worse than Bjorn Engels? <laughs> <laughs> well, take the first one first. Uh, Michael Frey is the main man. Um, he will start. Um, I think he is actually he's the top scorer in Belgian football at the moment. He's got eight goals in six games. Um, five of those coming in one game, by the way. Um, some of you may may know that. Um, he had an unbelievable game a few weeks ago where he scored five goals uh, with five shots on target, <laughs> which doesn't happen very often. That was against Standard Liège in quite a game. Uh, he's, he's the main man, big physical striker, uh, will harass defenders, uh, likes to run for lost causes as well, um, very hard-working striker. Um is is playing well at the moment, high on confidence, um, likes a physical battle. So, you know, he he will be more than happy to get stuck, stuck right into to anybody who wants to stand up against him, I think. Um, defensively, interesting. I mean, there's a number of options if Engels doesn't play. Um, and one of those is uh, Dorian Desilly, uh, who Antwerp signed from Charleroi. Uh, this summer, uh, Desley actually was Charleroi's captain um, and decided to to jump ship and join Antwerp because I think he quite fancied the project going on there and, and he's getting to an age now where probably if he was going to move, this was going to be his last move and it's quite exciting times for Antwerp as I was saying so he, he he's taken that chance so if Engels doesn't play, I think there's a good chance uh, Desley will, will, will start in his place um, probably beside uh, Richie Delat who's been kind of ever-present uh, as the other centre-half. Um, but he does have options there. He does have a, a number of options. He could move. There's, you know, a couple of other players he could move in there if he really wanted to, but I don't think he will. Desilé is a natural centre-back, has been for years, um, is one of the best centre-backs in Belgian football, I think. Uh, one of my colleagues at the, the BFP w- would disagree with me, but I, I, I'm i a big fan of Desilé's. I think he's... Um, looking forward to the opportunity to get stuck into some European football because he did miss out on that at Charleroi. Uh, they failed to qualify for the group stages last year. So there's some extra motivation for him if he starts. And he hasn't started a game yet this season. So um, he'll be well up for it. So it could go either way. It could improve them. Um, it could also kind of cause problems. But I, I, I would expect, you know, if Desilé starts for, for it to improve them slightly because Ingles hasn't been great. He hasn't been great in all honesty. Um, and I know you guys will relate to that. Um, his time and you know wasn't was wasn't great. And Antwerp paid, you know, proper money for him. They played, you know, between three and four million, which is a lot. It's a lot for a Belgian club to play for a for a player of his age. Um, and he certainly hasn't shown the signs of being a player who's probably worth paying that for so far. So maybe, maybe if he's he's got a knock and he doesn't start, then that might not be a bad thing for Antwerp tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, I, would, I was going to say we to see we, Bjorn. I would love to see Bjorn getting whistled, getting a little pressure from the fans. Yeah, like Bjorn Angles, if you're listening, didn't mean to take the piss, mate. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we paid like reportedly seven seven and a half million for for Bjorn Angles, and it was it was one of those transfer market things where towards the end of the transfer deadline, we sold a very promising defender um to Leverkusen for around 20 million euros and then the next day you know we needed the center back and we had to pay a premium to buy Bjorn Engels from yeah. I can't remember where 
he didn't do great with Bruges. us. I think it was Club Bruges. Is that right? Was it Bruges? I I can't I remember. Don't remember. But, I don't but, remember. But but anyway, he scored against Panathinaikos. Uh, that's and Pauk. He scored against Pauk as well. Was it? Yeah. So there's some goals we'll remember, but otherwise a bit of a. Well, yeah, not really much to remember from his passing here in Greece. No hard feelings. Uh, it sounds like I want him to play tomorrow now that you've talked about his potential <laughs> replacement. But, but anyway, I, I don't want to pick on Bjorn Engels. That's not very nice. But um, okay, so we're coming to the end now. We know who the danger man is. We've all, I think, we've all known even before talking to you today that defense is a weak, uh, weaker point. What's the goalkeeper like? Jean Boutet, good keeper. He's been having a good season. Um, I I was on a conversation with somebody recently, actually, about you know who'd started the season best as far as goalkeepers go in Belgium, and I and I think uh, Jean Boutet is 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 in the top two at the moment, and on the basis of the first six games, um, he's actually quite a big player for them. He's he's quite important. Uh, he was injured for a lot of last season, and they had to bring a keeper in um, as a stopgap option. And I, I think that was noticeable for them for a while. So he's influential, and I, I think he's he's a very stable figure for them. Um, so I think it's good that he's back. Uh, decent keeper, I would say, yeah. Okay. Labra, got anything else? Do you want to do a predicted lineup, maybe? Uh, I'll give you the lineup right now of what we're going to see from Olympiacos because I'm that confident right now. Uh, I have you, have you seen the squad? Have you seen the squad? Uh, it was Ma- just Masur- released. Yeah, Masuras is in the squad, and so is Lala, and so is Andrutos. They're not supposed to be in the squad. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where they're just traveling for um, like to support. They're not the even traveling. They're just going to show up. So yeah, they're just going to they're just showing up with the team. But Masuras yeah. is out for sure. Um, Martin said that during the press conference. Kenny Lala um, has stomach problems. I guess that was yeah. the and uh, um, Andrutos has a knee injury. Apparently, Andrutos has a knock. Go give us a lineup. I'll give you Vatlik in goal, Karbovnik at right back, Sokratis and Cisse at the back. Left back will be Oleg Reyabchuk. You're looking at a midfield three of Jan Envia, Andreas Puhalakis, and Mari Kamara. And then wing play, I'm looking at Matija Valbuena on one wing, uh, and Henry Onyakuru on the other, and Yusuf El Arabi at striker. It's going to be that. Um, I can't see him going 4-4-2. I think he's going to want to keep Tequino on the bench for a super sub type thing. Looking again at the bench, you're going to have the likes of Kunde, Ronnie Lopez. Uh, Baby Camara is also in the squad. A shout to maybe even play. I don't know. That's Would he start Aguibu Camara over Matthew Valbuena? I doubt it for the set pieces, for the experience. But those are just a few of the names. Um I, I, I think, think we're going to see that. I would, I would venture one change to that lineup. Maybe tomorrow we see a three in midfield of uh, Mvila, Kamara, and Kunde. Not happening. Dream on. Bukalagis is the captain of the team. Didn't like what I saw on the weekends. No one did. It's yeah. it's a hot take. It's a hot take. It's a low probability. But that would certainly inject some physical presence in the midfield. Yeah. And you know what, guys? Tomorrow, look out for that Cissé versus Frey duel because everything that I heard 
from Scott about Frey liking a good physical tussle. My God, that's going to be even Socrates doesn't enjoy a nice. That's going to be a sight tomorrow. Frey battling with those two because Socrates yeah. likes he, he likes to get stuck in as well. So that's yeah. going to be very interesting. That's going to be very interesting yeah. tomorrow. It's it's interesting for sure. And El Arabi coming off of a horrific game on the weekend, will he yes. get back to big form? Will he get back to what we know i don't know there's a lot of question marks with olympiacos i i don't know <laughs> i don't know also we the situation of the two other right backs could it be lala get fit could it be that andrews is fit i don't know i don't know uh, scott what about antwerp how do you expect them to line up tomorrow uh, I think he. I, I think Prisco Gold was his preferred four-two-three-one. Um, I think there's a good chance. Obviously, Jean Boutet will start in goal. Probably a back four. Uh, Aurelio Buta, Bjorn Engels, possibly. Although it'll be Desale, I think. Um, by the sounds of things, Richie Delat, Yelabatai, in the middle, probably Ryan Angelan, uh, Berger Verstrata beside him, and possibly Al Hassan Youssef, who's a very exciting talent, come in new over the summer. And then, uh, in, in the spirit of all out attack, I would like to see, although I don't know if he'll do this, um, I'd like to see Victor Fisher on the right, Mayoshi. Koji Mayoshi, a very exciting Japanese player on the left, and uh, a certain Mr. Michael Fry up front. Yeah. And this this other guy Benson is he, he's a left-footed right winger is he? Yes, Manuel Benson. Yeah, he's kind of come in from the cold actually. He um he came back from a loan period uh, during the summer. He was away completely out of the picture uh, playing for uh, Zwoll in the Eredivisie on loan. Came back actually got um he got his opportunity because uh, Mayoshi was on Olympic duty. So he, he was playing kind of by default more than anything else and had a couple of quite good games right at the start of the season and that's led him keeping his place. And the expectation was he would probably drop out again completely, but but he hasn't. Um, and he's he's really kind of sort of upped his game, actually. A decent, decent player, underrated, I think. Yeah, he, he looked decent. Some highlights that I saw. He got a lot of the ball on the right-hand side. Yeah. Match predictions, guys. Uh, we're going to start oh. with our guest. Scott, what, what are you saying about tomorrow? Um, I think there might be a narrow win for Olympiacos. Um, but having said that, there's obviously a big opportunity for Antwerp here uh, because of the, I suppose, the lack of confidence and a bit of tension in the Olympiacos camp. Um, so if if they can turn up and, and play their game, then there is something in this for Antwerp. Antwerp would take a point, I think, all day long with us. I think that would be a very decent sure. result. They're very aware they're going into, you know, it's a cliche, but a literal cauldron. You know, it's 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 a hot place to go in European football, um, and it'll be interesting in itself to see how they respond to that. I think that's obviously a, a big unknown. So we don't know how you know whether that's going to lead them to to turning it on or to uh, retreating into their shells a little bit. But I I instinctively can see a, a narrow Olympiacos win tomorrow night. Mm. I you bringing up the the stadium and everything we've been seeing these covid type of crowds with less people in the stadium and this is a call to like i know we have a lot of listeners and followers in greece like this needs to be a a big time for the supporters the team is kind of on the rocks guys this is a huge game for this season like if you're able to go to the stadium, if you're lucky enough to go, like we we need that place rocking tomorrow night. And 
please go. And going on to that, my prediction, I'm going with a, I, I see it here as well, a 4-2. I actually think we're getting a repeat of PSV Eindhoven game, a 4-2. Um, see even comments. It's a final tomorrow. It's a huge game for Olympiacos. It's for the mentality even driving us on. I say 4-2. I'm looking at a Henry Onyakuru brace, Mari Kamara getting a goal, and Yusef oh, Alarabi with a penalty. That's it. And then I give a, I give Frey one, and then I give Victor Fisher one. There you go. That's it. That's very specific. It had to I'm be. Gonna, it had gonna, to I'm going to caption that video. If if it happens, we're going to come back, cut the video. And we're going to play what you said, okay? Damn right. Um, I'm I'm going with that too. I I said lots of goals in this game, four two, four three. Uh, it's it's not what I it's not what I want actually. I don't. My heart my heart's going to be in my mouth most of the game. I have that feeling, but yeah, hopefully we get the season off on the right foot. And I think that's all we've got time for. Um, before we do go, Scott. Any last things you you want to share? Uh, opportunity for you to give a shout out to anybody. Uh, tell us about your podcast again. Anything you want to say? Sure, you can you can find the Belgian uh, football podcast at Belgian Podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And if you want to hunt me down, which sometimes people do, uh, my own Twitter is at Scott underscore Coin. Perfect. Well, guys, it's now less than 24 hours to kick off. Hope you enjoyed this preview. If you haven't done so already, leave us a like, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. We will be back probably tomorrow, I guess. With tomorrow some night, post-match. Post yeah, some yeah. post-match reaction. We are the Gate 7 International Podcast. Until tomorrow, peace out. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Trilos, he said. Stomialo katimajikoa.